to see their faces and to hear from Michael and Alex. Uh, thank you uh, for your support of them, whether through prayer or financial donation or otherwise. Thank you for supporting adoptive families. Uh, this morning we're going to be in Matthew chapter 1. Uh, so please turn there with me in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 18 through 25. Matthew 1, 18 through 25. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who did come out to uh, light the way last week. It was a great event. And I want to say thank you to those uh, who made it so, uh, to Kelly and Henry and Paula and Hunter and Mantooth uh, and his family and Frank and Carly. Um, it, was, it was a good event and I appreciate all the work uh, that went into it. Our series is called Adopting Advent, and as we have seen in the last couple of weeks, the Christmas story is an adoption story. The baby born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger, the one that we call Savior and Lord, is the son of Joseph's adoption and Mary's unexpected, unplanned pregnancy. The Messiah the long-promised redeemer and rescuer of God's people had to be fully human, as Galatians 4, 4 and 5 tell us. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to be born of a woman, to be born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And this would be accomplished as we heard the angel speak in our passage to Mary last week. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Fully human and yet fully God. The Messiah also had to be a son of David. And that was accomplished through Joseph's adoption of Jesus, though he was not his natural and biological father. And that's the narrative that we're going to look more deeply into today. We, the adopted children of God, looking together into God's written word to learn more about the coming of the ultimate word of God, who is our Savior, Jesus, an adopted human child. How did it happen? Well, look with me at, at Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. And if you're able, I'd invite you to stand in honor of God's word. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph... Being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name 
Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this word that by your spirit you have inspired to reveal to us your son and we pray that our hearts now would be drawn to him. That we would see him in his glory. That we would worship him as our savior and our king. That we would look to him for all that we need. And Lord, that we would be blessed and transformed in this time together around your word. And we ask all these things humbly and expectantly in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever gotten shocking news that totally disrupted your life from that moment forward? Have you ever gotten shocking news that totally disrupted your life from that point on? Well, in 2005... Uh, I was a high school teacher, public high school teacher in Panama City, Florida. I taught reading and English. And uh, though I had covenanted with myself that I was never going to enter the ministry as my father before me did, the Lord had other plans for me. And so during the time that I was teaching high school, the Lord was dealing with me about a call to ministry. And so through a process of of discernment and many conversations and prayer with Shannon, we decided uh, that at the end of the school year, we were going to uh, pack up our our one-bedroom apartment in a 14-foot U-Haul and drive to St. Louis, Missouri, uh, where we would live uh, and so that I could attend Covenant Seminary. And we had a, a, a neat, cute little plan. Uh, we were going to spend three years in seminary. I was going to take classes full-time. She was going to work full-time. I was going to work part-time. Uh, and then after seminary, we could figure out what the Lord had for us in ministry and in the rest of our lives, including having children. But at the beginning of 2006, uh, Shannon got the flu. And not knowing anyone in St. Louis except for other seminary students and our professors, uh, we just went to whatever local clinic we could find to see if we could get her uh, some help because she was uh, sicker than I've seen her uh, most of the times that she's been sick in, in her life, or at least for the part that I've been around. And so we, we go to the clinic and uh, they say to Shannon, we, you know, you're young and you're newlyweds and we want to treat you for the flu, but if there's any possibility that you might be pregnant, Uh, we can't treat you for the flu. Uh, Would you like to take a pregnancy test? We said, is it free? (laughs) But ultimately we agreed uh, to the pregnancy test and and I think you could probably see where this is going. Uh, Shannon is laying on the table. She is absolutely miserable with symptoms of the flu. I'm trying to be attentive to her while also trying to get the reading done that I need to have done by the end of the week. Uh, And the nurse uh, comes to the door pokes her head in and says, well, you're pregnant, and shuts the door. Shocking news. Not a part of our cute little plan, and it changed our lives in the best possible way from that point on. I had to get a job, which ended up being in youth ministry. We moved to Georgia, and I finished seminary not uh, two years later, but seven years and two children later. Even given that shock and life-changing news, which was disruptive, but also wonderful, I can't even imagine the shock and the disruption and the disorientation that Joseph must have experienced when he found that his betrothed Mary was with child. In Jewish culture in the first century, customarily there were three stages leading up to 
marriage. First, there was the engagement. Usually it was parents or some matchmaker bringing the two parties together and arranging the relationship. Then there was a betrothal, a period of time of about a year where the couple did not live together as husband or wife. They lived in their separate homes with their families of origin. They had no physical intimacy, but over the course of the year, official arrangements were made for their marriage. And then last stage was the marriage itself and their life together after it. And it's during Mary and Joseph's betrothal that Mary receives her visit from the angel and as we saw last week, surrenders her will to the Lord's will, her plans to God's plan. She says simply, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now, Joseph has to deal with this shocking and life disrupting news. And this, again, is where the story of Christmas intersects with adoption. As we said last week, almost half of all pregnancies are unintended. And of those unintended pregnancies, a great number are considered unwanted. And one of the main reasons a pregnancy might be considered or categorized as unwanted is reported to be a lack of support or involvement from the father. Statistics tell us, but also our eyes and our hearts tell us that fatherlessness is epidemic in our nation. At least 43% of our children are growing up without fathers in their homes, and fatherless youth comprise a greater percentage of those who do self-harm, of those who are runaways and homeless and therefore vulnerable, of those who have educational and emotional deficiencies and difficulties. Of course, children who are right now in foster care or up for adoption are, at least in some sense, fatherless. And we, who are the adopted children of God, no matter what our relationship was or is with our earthly father, we are the adopted children of the God who is father to the fatherless. And we are called to care for the fatherless. Especially, I would say, that burden falls on the godly men. And I would ask us to consider, uh, as I asked us to consider last week, with, particularly with regard to women who, are, who have unintended or unexpected pregnancies, what if the local church became the place where children without fathers found many spiritual fathers ready to show them the love of the Heavenly Father? What if the local church became the place where responsible, gentle, courageous, faithful, hardworking, committed, and loving fatherhood were taught and modeled to young men well before they became fathers or when they face unintended fatherhood? What if we joined our Heavenly Father in pursuing justice for the orphan and providing fatherhood for the fatherless? What if we determined that by God's grace and to the best of our ability, no child at Back Creek Church, no child in our faith family, and Lord willing, no child in our community would be defined by the experience of fatherlessness. The hope of the gospel is that we are loved and adopted by God the Father. So we need to be asking ourselves, how can we come together and bring the hope of the gospel to those who long for the love of a father? The hope of the gospel is eternal. 
We know that our mission is to make disciples of Jesus, to introduce people to the Lord Jesus Christ so that they can know the fatherhood of God and be eternally saved from their sins. But the hope of the gospel is also temporal. It makes a difference right here. And one of the ways we can connect people with the hope of the gospel, one of the ways we can connect the most vulnerable people in our society with the hope of the gospel is by providing fathers for the fatherless. I would just encourage us to continue to pray and dream and wrestle with how we as Back Creek Church can adopt adoption as a part of our greater mission of connecting people with the hope of the gospel. And that brings us back to Joseph, who in our text has discovered some shocking and life-disrupting news. His betrothed, with whom he has had no physical intimacy, is somehow pregnant. Joseph had a plan. The Bible doesn't tell us too much about his plan, but I assume it went something like this, to marry Mary, to start a family, to continue his work as a tradesman, and to live a quiet and dignified life to the glory of God. And now, can you imagine his emotional devastation to find out that the woman that was to be his wife was pregnant with a child that very clearly was not his. I'm sure that Mary tried to do her best to explain that she had not been unfaithful to him, to explain that, that she had not been taken advantage of. I'm sure she tried to tell him about the angel's visit and his words, and I'm sure that he wanted with everything in him to believe her. I'm sure he told her that he needed some time alone to sort this out in his mind. And, and though Joseph never speaks a word in this passage or any of the rest of the scriptures, we see at least three things about him in his response to this shocking and life-disrupting situation. Three things that we see about Joseph in this text. The first is we see Joseph's character. We see Joseph's character, and we see that in verse 19. It says that Joseph was a just man. This can also accurately be translated that Joseph is a righteous man. And this designation in the scriptures teaches us that Joseph was a man of strong character. But he was a man of strong character as defined by the Mosaic law. He was obedient to God's word and he tried to keep it in all things and because he was a man who knew God's word and sought to obey God's word not only was he seen as righteous before God he was also known as righteous had a reputation for being a sadiq a righteous man in his community if Mary had been unfaithful to Joseph and had broken their betrothal through relationship with another man as seemed to be the only plausible explanation for this circumstance, he would be permitted under the law to divorce her. This would be just in that it is an appropriate and it is a proportional response to adultery. We find that Jesus even allows for divorce later in the New Testament for purposes of sexual immorality, for adultery against a spouse. It would also be just because it would protect innocent Joseph 
from the damage that absolutely would be done to his reputation as a righteous man, whether people assumed that, that Mary was pregnant because of something that he did or, or because they assumed that she was pregnant from affiliation with another man, either way, Joseph's reputation goes in the tank. Because Joseph was a man of righteous character, he did not take perceived sin lightly. Now, Mary was totally innocent, absolutely innocent. Mary was still a virgin. But because Joseph perceived that she had had an affair with someone else, and he knew that sex outside the covenant of marriage was wrong, he would respond to that apparent sin in a just way. He would divorce Mary. But his righteous character shines even in the way that he executes justice. Not only do we see Joseph's character, we also see in this passage Joseph's compassion. And we see that also in verse 19. Joseph was just not only in his character, but also in his love for Mary. Matthew tells us that he was a just man, and therefore he was unwilling to put Mary to shame. I imagine that Joseph was in excruciating emotional pain. He likely felt hurt, betrayed, rejected, inadequate, confused, and afraid. So often when, when someone hurts us, how do we want to respond? When people bring us pain, we want to get them back. We want to get even. We want to avenge ourselves. Of course, as we know from the scriptures, Mary was totally innocent. But Joseph couldn't have known that at this point. If I were in his shoes, you can bet that I would be angry and that I would want to prosecute Mary to the fullest extent that Moses' law would allow me. But Joseph chose compassion. He was unwilling to put her to shame. And the truth is, Joseph could have demanded a lot more than open shame for Mary. Deuteronomy 22 allows the death penalty for adultery. Remember when uh, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees dragged the woman caught in adultery before Jesus to find out whether or not he would condemn her? They picked up stones ready to stone her and Jesus addresses them and says, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. But they were perfectly consistent with the Mosaic law, the death penalty for adultery. Joseph could have, in anger and resentment, put Mary to shame or even possibly to death. But as a compassionate man, he was unwilling to hurt her beyond what his character required. And as he considered the situation, he resolved to divorce her, not publicly, not loudly, not in a way that would get even with her for what he perceived that she did, but quietly, humbly. Joseph, the man of character, chose compassion. He has character. He has compassion, and all of that is gonna be tested in a new way, and we see that in his response. The third thing that we see is Joseph's commitment. We see Joseph's commitment in verses 20 through 25. 
The angel visits Joseph after he has made this decision that he's going to divorce Mary quietly and reveals the truth about Mary's pregnancy. Uh, starting in verse 20, but he, as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, Joseph of Nazareth is faced with a choice. He could commit himself to his own comfort and his own reputation in the community. He could preserve something of his life as he has known it. He could preserve something of his plans. He could preserve something of his standing. Or he could commit himself to actually being the righteous man that he had a reputation for. He could either preserve his reputation as a righteous man or he could choose to be a righteous man in light of the angel's words. He could be a righteous man by committing himself to the Lord's will, to the betrothal that he now knows Mary did not break and to the son that God was giving him as his adopted father. And from the account that Matthew gives, there doesn't seem to be any hesitation, any further consideration. Joseph wakes up and commits himself to the Lord. He commits himself to Mary and he commits himself to the baby who would be, ha who would be his. And he commits himself knowing that his life will never be the same. Verse 24 and 25, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Jesus, because he would save his people from their sins. And Joseph gives the name, and I want us to take note of this, that, that Joseph giving to his son his name is an act of fatherhood. It is an, a, an act of acceptance of the responsibility to be this baby's father. Joseph naming Jesus is an act of obedience to the angel, obedience to God, but it is also an act of adoption of this baby boy. I will be his father. Now, if we as a church are going to adopt adoption, and this Man, this account in Scripture calls us to these same characteristics and response as well. If we're going to adopt adoption, we're going to need character. To see the wrong of fatherlessness in the world, to see that children being orphans, children being without parents, children being in foster care, children being fatherless is wrong. It's not the way that it, things are intended to be. It is the result of sin and darkness in the world, and we are to hear the call of our Heavenly Father and be compelled by it, by the Christmas story, which is an adoption story, to visit orphans in their distress. We're going to need character to respond to God's commands. We're also gonna need compassion. 
to see the plight of children in need of loving parents, to see the plight of loving people who want to have children, to be compelled by love to go beyond what we are comfortable for the sake of those who need us. We're going to need character, we're going to need compassion, and we're going to need commitment. We're going to need commitment to see, like Joseph, that this is not going to be easy for us and yet still commit ourselves to this call as a part of our larger mission of connecting people with the hope of the gospel. Character and compassion and commitment. But the most important thing about this text, the most important thing about this story is not what we need to do in light of what Joseph did. Here is what we cannot miss. The Christmas story is an adoption story. It is about how Jesus, the eternal son of God, became the son of man and became the son of David through Joseph's adoption. But this story is not about Joseph. This story is not about Mary, and it's not even about us. This story is about Jesus. Joseph was a man of character. But like us, he was a man of imperfect character. He was not a totally righteous man. Like us, Joseph needed a savior. And the baby that he adopted is the man of perfect character, the one who came into the world to satisfy the righteous requirement of God's law so that his perfect record could be given to you and to Joseph as a gift in place of our sinful record. Joseph was a man of compassion, but he was a man of imperfect compassion. Like us, he needed a shepherd. And Jesus is the man of perfect compassion. He saw Joseph. He sees us without hope and without God in the world, dead in sin, disciples of Satan, deserving of God's wrath. Jesus saw us harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, and he came to be our shepherd. And Joseph was a man of commitment, but he was a man of imperfect commitment. And he was a man of great commitment. What Joseph did was was not only say, yeah, okay, I'll be Jesus' dad. But in commitment to the Lord, commitment to Mary, and commitment to this baby that was not his own biological child, Joseph became the protector of our Savior. Because what's going to happen a year or two years after the events of Christmas is that uh, some wise men in the east are going to see a star. And they're going to come to Jerusalem and they're going to visit the Jewish authority, King Herod, and they're going to say, hey, listen, we think the Messiah is here. We saw his star and we followed it here. And Herod says, okay, well, why don't you go and find out where he is and come back and let me know so I can worship him too. Except Herod is deceitful and his plan is not to worship the Messiah as well. His plan is to eliminate any threat to his throne. And so Herod is going to command that all of the male babies two years and younger in the region be slaughtered. And scripture picks up in chapter 2, verse 13. Now when they, that's the, the magi departing from Herod, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. 
and said, rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt, I called my son. Witness Joseph's deep commitment to Jesus that he would uproot their entire life as a newly wed with a young child and move out of the land that they had known, probably the only place that uh, they had ever lived, one of two places, Nazareth or Bethlehem, and flee to Egypt to protect his son. That's remarkable commitment. But he was still a man of imperfect commitment. Like us, he needed a savior, he needed a shepherd, and he needed a substitute. And Jesus is the man of perfect commitment. So total is Christ's commitment to the Father's glory and to our good that he would leave the glories of heaven to be born a poor boy in an insignificant place so that he might live the life that we were incapable of living and die the death that we deserved and rise again in victory all as our substitute so that we can have eternal life with him forever, so that we can have the forgiveness of our sins, so that we can have adoption into his family, so that we, brothers and sisters, can have hope. The baby in the manger is named Jesus by Joseph in obedience to the angel because he is the perfect savior, the perfect shepherd, the perfect substitute who saves his people from their sins. And we call his name Emmanuel because Jesus is to us and for us, God with us. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Our savior, our shepherd, our substitute, our Lord Jesus. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your humility. The scriptures tell us that you did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, though you are God and have ever been, but made yourself nothing. That you took to yourself a, a true body and a reasonable soul like ours. That you submitted yourself to humiliation, to temptation in every way as we are, yet without sin. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your earthly father today, and we're thankful for his character and his compassion and the commitment that he showed to you, to your mother, and to the Lord. Lord, we ask, though, that we would not merely be more like Joseph, but that we would be more like you. Lord, that we would imitate you in, in all that we are and all that we do, Lord, particularly in the way that we relate to children who are without parents. Lord, I pray that you would use this time together in your word to challenge us, to refresh us, to encourage us, to convict us, and to shape us in the image of our Savior. We ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.